the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. If you were listening to last week's episode of the podcast, you would have heard me talk about ESG and how the industry is still pretty woolly in its approach. And yet, more often than not, when I go and see a shipping company, that's where the conversation starts. Because ultimately, it's about money. It's about strategic survival. At no point have I ever walked into a chief executive's office and had them lead off with that other three-letter acronym, DEI, Diversity, Equity and Inclusion. And yet, every study, every ounce of common sense points to the fact that for any organisation that relies on its people, it should be a strategic priority to broaden your talent pool, to enlist a diverse range of skills and perspectives, and make the most of their potential. Just as countries with more gender equality have better economic growth, companies with more women leaders perform better. That is a fact, ladies and gentlemen. Shipping has a global talent shortage. We know that. The structural long-term challenges in the maritime industry requires much better collaboration. It requires new talent, and at the heart of that lies an immediate need to make improvements on diversity, equity and inclusion. So why is DEI not at the top of the ESG agenda? And why, in 2023, is it still the case that women represent only 1.2% of the global seafaring workforce? That's the figure from the last BIMCO ICS seafarer workforce report, by the way, which, depressingly enough, was actually a 45.8% increase compared with the previous report in 2015. In shipping's boardrooms, the picture is perhaps less pronounced, but no less concerning. Women account for just 29% of the overall industrial workforce. And the last edition of the Diversity Study Group's annual report showed clear evidence that there is still a significant lack of ethnic diversity and female representation in senior roles. But we're still not even getting some of the basics right. According to the Diversity Study Group survey, which covered a global sample of shipping companies across the sector, 35.8% of women responded that they do not feel that they can raise discrimination concerns at work, or declared that they'd rather not say. That, to me, suggests that there is still reluctance among women to rock the boat if they face discrimination. At sea, the issue is even more extreme. The shocking extent of discrimination on board vessels was revealed in a study last year that saw 60% of all female seafarers reporting instances of sexual harassment and bullying. So, this week, ahead of International Women's Day on March the 8th, I spoke to two experts in the field of DEI to look at some of the progress that has been made, but also to ask why the industry is still not taking DEI issues seriously enough. Joining me this week on the podcast, I have L.P. Petraki, who was elected president of Women's International Shipping and Trading Association, WISTA, in October last year. I also have Heidi Heseltine, founder of the Diversity Study Group, which was formed back in 2018 and is the first organization dedicated to diversity, equity and inclusion in the workplace across the global shipping and maritime sectors. But I'm going to start with LP, who I caught up with this week between meetings on a busy London square, hence a bit of background noise you can hear. I started by asking her, what are the priorities for Worcester, which now has a really significant global voice and a platform that's increasingly influential at the top of the industry? First of all, I think we want to see, uh, for people and and companies, to see our members as the professionals they are. And this is the first thing we try to, to point out. 
So we don't want people to pay attention to us because we are women, but they want, we want them to pay attention because we are professionals. But the fact is that we really need labor, if I can say. You know, we need people out there to work. And uh, the society is changing. It's not just women that, you know, in the way we were seeing women in the past, the biases we all bring in with us was a certain way. But now the younger generation is changing. Men and women, I mean, younger kids do not see themselves very different because of their genders. And, of course, they, there are other genders as well out there. So we really need to understand them. And we need to provide the future that will be ready to cater their needs. So what WISTA is doing with the other organization, it's a great platform for us, especially our MOU and our consultative status in the IMO really um, elevated the voice we have. And with them, we can do specific projects. It is small steps. It is not like big changes that will be made from one day to another. Uh, let's say with the Speakers Bureau, we had, uh, we give the platform to women to be available, to show that they are available and they are able to speak for, uh, for conference organizers to choose them if they wish. Uh, also, we did the first survey there were no sur- there were no numbers of how we- many women are working out there in the industries so in 2021 uh, the numbers came out we would like to have done better uh, better not in in terms of people who reply to the questionnaire and country states who replied, so we could have more accurate number. But this survey will run again in 2024. Mm. So hopefully then we will have even more accurate numbers. Because uh, up to then, we only had numbers for uh, women at sea, for seafarers, which is another thing that is not, not getting better at all. It's not getting better. And we will come back to that in a second. But, of course, LP is right in saying that society is changing. And I don't really need to spell out the fact that, with notable exceptions at the top, shipping is not exactly a front-runner when it comes to pioneering the DEI agenda. So what are the barriers and why aren't things moving faster, given that the ESG agenda has been so visibly embraced? And the DEI components are routinely overshadowed compared to, say, the environmental efficiency arguments. Well, I think it is an older generation that is still in it. Not that all this, you know, older generation is not needed because we need the, the know-how and to learn from uh, them, but it is older mindsets, really. I mean, they grew up differently. And uh, I'm not very young myself, but if you go out there and you speak with people who are younger than you, I think you can see the reality. And especially going back to the sea uh, subject, when I speak to... M- younger uh, men who are at sea, they really don't understand the issue. They, they've asked me many times, why are you talking about women at sea? But why should it be an issue? They don't realize it is. And of course it is, because the right environment is not there, because we need to have a safe and uh, right environment for ladies and men to be out there at sea. It's a not an easy job, if I may say. So we go back to the shore, which should have been easier. 
So we need for companies to have uh, structures on that. And it's not only for women, it is for men. Mm. We see younger men around 30s, 40s, 20s. They want to take, be part of growing up their kids. Mm. Uh, so we need to respect that. So I think that, that is the first barrier and that is what I see um, people as using as an excuse. But she will have kids. Come on, this should not be an excuse nowadays. I mean, it's not shipping specific. I think I, we have worse, I think, industries like banking, mm -hmm. like uh, trading. I think they're even worse. And uh, in shipping, I think we were lucky because um, especially in shipping companies, family bonds are strong and uh, some men had only daughters so this gave the women a chance to go out there and have a voice and show what they can do because definitely they can do it i mean every i mean it shouldn't be a man or a woman thing we all have the same capabilities as long as we work on them And I really need to stress that because it's not a war between men and women. It is how we can all work together for a better, better future for all and for our companies to be better because the studies have showed that companies who have mixed staff and mixed uh, voices in board level, they do have better results. They do have better results and that's essential here because the business case for DEI is really important. Heidi Heseltine is the founder of the Diversity Study Group, which was born out of the need to back up corporate discussions about better female representation with actual data and solid groundwork of research that looks holistically at the issue. Now, that's been a slow build, but given this is a topic that Heidi has been working on for the past decade, I thought I would start by asking her whether she thought that shipping has finally grasped the importance of DEI in terms of the agenda and the importance of the business case. Has shipping started taking DEI seriously? I don't think so. Not yet, no, if I'm being brutally honest um, and perhaps less of a diplomat than I, I could be. Um, I think we're starting to certain organisations and certain parts of the industry, absolutely. There's some great work being done. But by and large, we have leaders who have so many competing priorities that it's really easy for DEI to be deprioritised And I think that there is, it takes time, and I don't mean this in a patronising way at all, but you need, to, you need to allocate time and resource to doing DEI properly. But you also, I think what, what we don't see yet is a full appreciation of the benefits it can bring. So I don't think we grasp it completely yet. That's not for everybody, but, but certainly by and large, I would say. And there we are back to the mindset shift that Elpi mentioned. But as Heidi said, some progress is being made, and that's born out of the results of the last annual review from the Diversity Study Group. The progress is most evident in junior and mid-level ranks, helping to build a more diverse talent pool of future leaders, which is great. But diverse representation remains far more limited at the C-suite level. The report shows that there's still a significant lack of ethnic diversity and female representation in senior roles across the industry. And, and that's why it was so important to get the data so that we could really reflect it, but also identify what the challenges are. So also, I think when you look at our, the nature of ourselves as an industry, 
and when you look you've got to also look at not just the total representation but where does it sit within the organizations because if your female representation all sits in professional service related departments that's not holistic diversity and you're not going to reap the benefits of it and um, one of the really obvious areas is if you look at technical departments and that's a real challenge to get the female talent in um, but it's a, a really important area for review. And at the moment, that's got less than 20% female representation within our data. So where are the barriers and what needs to change? We know that a lot of companies want to change, and yet the progress is glacial in so many areas. This is a corporate leadership problem, and moving from intent to action is difficult. But it's essential we get that right. It's essential we get those structures in place, because the knock-on effect of not having that is that there are real challenges for people from any underrepresented group to take up leadership roles within those organisations. I think the biggest challenges come from a lack of accountability at leadership and also how we define leadership. There's a few common tripwires, uh, I, I, I would say, along the way. I think that the way we view leadership roles in terms of how we define them in terms of what a leader looks like um, and how they work is still a very tight definition. And we need to really consider actually how our leaders, what are leadership behaviours? Um, that's something that there's a there's more focus on that. And we're seeing that through the, not through the data, but actually through the consulting side of the work that we're doing. The So, so that's starting to come through. But what we see when it, we look at organisations internally is if you deviate from that very tight leadership box, there's a real lack of tolerance. I think it's it's who's doing the heavy lifting internally when it comes to DEI. So when we look at organisations and quite often it's uh, we have a female leader, for example, or any leader from an underrepresented group. Amazing. Can you do the work on inclusion? Can you lead a network group? And that's where we need to also, I think, be really careful we're not overburdening people and that we're giving sufficient support to allow people to also develop as leaders themselves, in addition to engaging as well male allies as well within the conversation. And that's also very much at a leadership level, as well as cascading through. The point I made at the beginning about the DEI conversation being part of the ESG conversation is an important point to mention because DEI is part of that social and governance agenda. And yet I would say it is secondary to the environmental conversation in ESG right now. It's not mentioned in the same scope. It's not given the same prominence, but it is part of it. And we should be having a more structured conversation about it. It's almost as if it's still viewed as an HR issue rather than a leadership issue within some organisations. So is that changing? Are we getting more buy-in from top leadership now or are we still guilty of sporadic bouts of tokenism? It's a really, really good point. Um, it's absolutely not an HR issue. And if people are perceiving it as an HR issue, uh, it, it does not stand to reap the benefits in the same way. Uh, we are starting to see some change where leaders are really adopting and wanting to, it comes back to the, the same point, 
you've got to understand the why of DEI. And this is always our starting point. Why is DEI important for your business? Why is DEI important for you as a leader? What can you do when you look at your business objectives? How can this support what you're trying to do and bring you benefit? And then that really impacts on the strategy that you develop. And that is across the business. And when you come back to the ESG side of things, we're working with organisations who are doing fantastically well because they're engaging all of their employees in really different ways so that actually those employees are solving the problems for the EVS and the G. And it's by having that diverse representation and the diversity of thought, the diversity of experience, different voices in the room who have been equipped and encouraged to speak up that helps solve those very problems. But things are changing. In terms of how we work generally, COVID has shifted perceptions more than any study over the last few years. But in terms of talent management and that pipeline of next generation leaders that Heidi talked about, they also need to have radically different skills and mindsets to those that are currently at the top of the industry. I know from speaking to CEOs that they are struggling to find the right people because they're not fishing in the same pools that they used to be. And the digitalised, decarbonised future of shipping is not a traditional shipping talent conversation. This is about us competing with every other industry out there for the right people to effectively revolutionise so many aspects of what the industry is going to be required to do over the next 20 to 30 years. DEI should be a positive catalyst for change within that shift, surely. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, for sure. And I think it's where we almost need to think that we have that blank sheet of paper of actually we're at a real tipping point for the industry, as you say, in so many ways. And our traditional ways of or in the traditional areas we go to to recruit are not going to one, probably they're not going to generate sufficient talent, even if we felt that they could solve some of the problems. But where we need to get people with really different backgrounds to come into the industry now you have to be prepared to go to different markets because we're not going to we're not going to meet the challenges if we don't go to different markets and you have to understand how those people from different market backgrounds different you mentioned before there are you know there are regionally regional differences that impact on this you've got to be prepared to bring together a really diverse group of people, not in terms of necessarily just the the very obvious diversity demographics. But you're going to be talking geographical backgrounds, you're going to be talking educational backgrounds. When you look at some of the work that can be done, and particularly I'm aware of a project at the moment on the autonomous shipping side of things that's being run, where they're looking at designing areas and really trying to look at, again, what can benefit the neurodiversity discussion is coming in again. And all of these, you know, there's intersectionality between all of these, but you have to have a really clear and effective plan in terms of long-term sustainable change to be able to land that effectively. Because what we saw, what we saw in, in areas outside of maritime, but when sort of like really DEI was, was gaining momentum in other sectors where there are a lot of initiatives that were done. So say, for example, gender that, you know, right, we have to increase the number of females, go out, successfully bring in a load of females. But if the foundations weren't laid to be able to support and make that culture sustainable, they left. And that's what we can't afford to have in the shipping industry. Indeed, we can't. 
This is not fluff. This is not an HR conversation. This is about how we structure this industry in a fair and equitable way. This is absolutely about CEOs, and this is actually how you change your business. This is how when you look at what you want to achieve as an organization, if you do this effectively as a program change, not that scattergun initiative approach, you can really make positive, sustainable impacts. As Heidi says, it's not going to take six months or 12 months. It's going to take place over time. But we've got to be talking like that for people to engage. My thanks to Heidi and to LP for joining me this week. And my thanks to you, as ever, for listening. We will be back next week with more. Goodbye. Goodbye.